Howdy, folks, and thanks for tuning in to another edition of TGC Midweek. Jacob and Michael back with you on the pod today, wrapping up our series on spiritual disciplines. Got a fun one for you today. Uh, but first, we got a listener question. We always uh, love love getting these, receiving them, and, and taking a stab at them. This one is actually in response to something, Michael, that we were talking about in the, in the leadership class last Sunday, where we talked about the order of salvation, um, and specifically election. Mm-hmm. For folks that are interested in this, we did a, a pretty in-depth series on the five points of Calvinism many podcasts ago. So uh, reach back into the deep archives and, and look those up. Um, but this one is about how, you know, how would we respond to more progressive wings of uh, the Reformed camp, I guess, that would would claim that they are, quote-unquote, more Calvinistic because they rely quote-unquote, more on the Spirit to sort of blow where it wills and um, basically regenerate anyone and and possibly even everyone, regardless of if they've ever heard the name Jesus or not. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something that I, I came from kind of a, a, a progressive reform sort of place and, and went to school in that kind of milieu as well. And this is something I encountered a lot where, um, you know, you would think of, Calvinists being pretty strict in their theology or whatever, but there's these weird arguments about how, well, who's to say that the Spirit can't just convert everyone? So it goes from um, traditional reform doctrines of elections straight to universalism, mm-hmm. uh, which is just this weird roller coaster of argument. Yeah. It sounds like it's not just extra Calvinistic, but also extra biblical <laughs> yes. um, when you when you hear the the argument, because... We did talk on Sunday night about the Trinitarian nature of election and how each person in the Trinity, in the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, have work to do in the uh, process of election, and they work hand in hand. And so you notice the Father is the one who foreknows us. He loves us and, and elects us unconditionally. Jesus comes and he lives the perfect life and dies the death we deserve. He's raised from the dead so that we might be redeemed. And the Spirit comes and actually applies the redemption of Jesus Mm -hmm. to a believer's heart. And so I think to divorce the Spirit with the work and the person of Jesus is just something you don't see in the Scriptures. And it's what this... um, this kind of hyper, I guess, Calvinistic view uh, proposes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would say at that point, you've got the Spirit working at odds yeah. um, with the Son. And nowhere in Scripture do you see uh, how is someone saved. I mean, well, you confess with your right. mouth and right. believe with your heart that Jesus is Lord. And so the Spirit is always pointing to Jesus. Yeah. This this is in some ways making the same error that um, I think the charismatic movement would make, which is placing too much of an emphasis on the Holy Spirit and forgetting that, as you've told me before, the Holy Spirit is the shy person of the Trinity and his Uh purpose is to point towards Christ. Yeah, yeah. And I I can understand, I mean, the the question or the objection comes from a sympathetic place. Um, You know, what happens to those that might not have heard of Jesus's name? Um, but that that is for us an evangelistic call yes. um, to get out there and make sure that there's no one that has not yet heard of Jesus and his work on our behalf. So um, good question. But I yeah. think if you think about the the nature of the Trinity and how they work in tandem, um, it, it brings some clarity to that that question. Yeah, that's right. That's right. 
Folks, we love getting your questions and taking a stab at those. If, if you do have questions about anything, really, you can, I guess not anything. I mean, that really leaves the gate open, but <laughs> things theological or biblical related. I don't know. We can take sports questions if you want, but That's right. um, <laughs> always send those in to questions at trinitygracesa.org. Finance and, questions for Jacob. <laughs> yeah, That's right. <laughs> um, and we'd love to take a stab at those on a future episode of the pod. Uh, but Michael, let's return now to our regularly scheduled programming. Today, we're wrapping up our series on the spiritual disciplines. And last week, I accused you of making some up. I think this one you really just made up. What are we talking about today? Well, today, in order to wrap up our discussion, uh, we are going to be talking about what has uh, been coined a rule of life. And uh, it's a phrase that has been used through history. Um, but has kind of been lost over the past uh, century or two in the Christian church. And it really gets its start, in a sense, back with uh, St. Benedict uh, in the 5th and 6th century, uh, where he began a monastery. And in order to be a part of that monastery, he crafted what's known as a rule of life for the community of that monastery. And it really centered their community around God's Word, around prayer, um, around domestic uh, and vocational chores through the day, and around community um, and brotherly affection in Christ. And so this rule of life really um, allowed them to uh, train themselves uh, to engage in a rhythm of life um, that uh, was hopefully going to make them more Christ-like, not only individually, but also as a community. And so when we're talking about a rule of life and when Benedict talks about a rule of life, he's not talking about rules for life. Mm -hmm. Rule is actually a a Latin, um, it's got a Latin uh, foundation, and in the Latin it means trellis, um, like something that fruit or that plants grow upon, vines grow upon. And the trellis is something that actually helps foster growth. Um, and so the vine's not just all over sporadic. Um, it's actually growing up towards, um, towards beauty and order. And uh, a rule of life helps us take the spiritual disciplines and really make sure that they're growing up in order and beauty um, and in a way that we can actually enjoy them. It's not chaotic or sporadic, but it's very organized. Mm-hmm. And so a rule of life, I mean, another way to think about it is habits or routines that you have on a daily basis. And one of the things that got me thinking about this uh, was a few years back, I went to a conference in Charlottesville, Virginia. And a part of the conference, the last day, we went and visited a PCA church there. And the pastor there is someone that I highly respect, and he was talking about the fact that they grew tired of the fact in the way that the church basically was trying to emulate the business world, um, organizations that they saw out there for profit. Um, And instead of trying to set goals and achieve them, which is not a bad thing, instead of trying to, you know, increase the bottom line and make decisions where the church is marketed in a better way, which is not a bad thing, they decided that they wanted to get rid of that mentality and bring the mentality of the monastery to bear to their staff life, but also to their church life as a whole. They wanted to engage in these ancient practices as a community. And so what they did was they crafted a rule. 
uh, trellis upon which they were going to build these spiritual disciplines, not only as a staff, but also as a church, if the church chose to engage in that rule. And so, for instance, what it looked like practically for them is um, every day the staff would gather, and instead of just diving right into their work of posting on Twitter or crafting a blog or making a phone call, pastoral phone call, what they would do is they would engage in uh, community prayer for 30 minutes from 8.30 to 9 o'clock. And then from 9 o'clock to 9.30, um, they would engage in Scripture reading, um, where they would be reading the same portions of Scripture together but separately. And then for another hour in the morning, they would engage in learning, like we talked about last week, where they'd read systematic theology and sharpen their minds in that avenue uh, of um, spiritual disciplines. And then they'd gather again for prayer, and then they'd go out from noon to 5.30 uh, engaging in their vocational callings, whether that be writing sermons, uh, visiting for pastoral visitations, going to the hospital, uh, making phone calls. And then at 5.30, they'd pray again and then go home and engage in domestic tasks, um, making dinner, engaging with the children, um, washing the dishes, being with family. And this was a rule of life that they crafted and implemented so that they might engage um, in more Christ-likeness and so that they might center their lives and their community life around what the Bible um, upholds as important. Um, Now, this isn't to say that they didn't have to make decisions for the organization um, or that they didn't have very smart financial folks at the table um, when they were trying to make church budget decisions, but they wanted to push against, and I think we all feel it, feel it to some degree in the American church. This is, this is more than a business. Um, this is, we're called to be the people of God that are centered around different things that can't be seen. And so, this rule of life really helped them center their lives around things that can't be seen, uh, around spiritual disciplines and practices that hopefully would produce fruit in their lives, would produce more Christ-likeness in their lives. So, so is this really the spiritual discipline of having a schedule, or is it more than that? That's a great way to put it. That would be a, a simple way to say it. Um, and maybe I just should have said that. <laughs> What it is feels a little bit reductionist. But, it it kind of is. Um, but, I mean, at the end of the day, that's what St. Benedict was getting to. Yeah. He was scheduling his community. But on top of that, he had, I think, 95 or 105 different rules um, that it wasn't just schedule. It was also seeking to shape and deform them um, as a community. But habit, schedule, routine is kind of what we're talking about mm-hmm. tonight. And so what is our habits? What are our schedules? What is our routine where we're able to engage in the spiritual disciplines so that we might produce more fruit in our lives? Gotcha. So when you say a rule for life, this is not um, this is not a rule like a, a first principle or something by which you live your life. It, it, it's, it is, by saying rule for life, it is normative into, as far as like, this is... If I'm going to take a, a ruler and measure mm-hmm. out my day, yeah. this is how I'm going to measure it or rule it according to yes. um, carving out time for these various disciplines. Yep. So really, this discipline is the discipline of being disciplined about the disciplines. It is. And, um, and another way to think about it, that's, <laughs> that's a great way to think about it. Um, but the, the thing, I think the argument would be made 
that if you don't order your life around something, it's, you're going to be shaped mm-hmm. and formed by chaos. Um, and you're going to be shaped and formed by, well, I guess tonight we'll just watch another three hours of Netflix. Mm-hmm. Or you're going to be shaped and formed by, well, I'm going to hit snooze a few times this morning on the alarm clock and not get up. Yeah. Um, and so this is really intentionality and in how we engage the spiritual disciplines. And I think that's a great way to think about it. Yeah. Um, how do you craft your time? So how broad or, or narrow is this? Is this something that really should be um, monastic, like how the monks did, where each kind of hour of the day was set aside for one of these disciplines? Or like, um, you know, I do a Bible reading plan mm-hmm. and just by habit and, and really just what works best for my day is I wake up. And I read my Bible while I drink coffee before I go work out. Sure. Is, is that the rule for life discipline yep. or is that just kind of scripture reading discipline? Yeah, I think, I think that you are engaging in a rule of life there, a rule of life practice with probably not having used that phraseology, right. obviously. Yeah. Okay. You'd think of it more as like, this is my morning routine mm-hmm. or this is a habit that I have where I'm seeking to pursue the Lord and center my life mm-hmm. around Bible reading and prayer. And so um, I guess we're just taking it a step further and saying, have you ever sat down and crafted a schedule where you're tending to your spiritual life? Gotcha. And um, not just letting things happen to you, but happening to them. Yeah. So we all do this to some extent automatically because at 10 o'clock every Sunday we go to church and engage in the spiritual discipline of worship. Yes. That would be uh, an instance of worship Mm -hmm. and... um, and us uh, making that a routine. And basically, I guess what we're talking about is there's more routines that should be taking place in our lives through the week. And that is a very important one. And I talk about it all the time. This is an hour in our week where we're shaped and formed by what is true. Mm -hmm. And, um, And I think that we can implement seasons or times in our everyday Monday through Saturday days Mm -hmm. where we're also doing that. And so it's really the goal of of formation, um, of seeing the fruit of the Spirit um, blossom in our lives. And the fruit of the Spirit, you you read about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, verses uh, 22 and 23. It says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the rule of life is building a trellis so that this fruit can actually grow strong in our lives and so that we can actually harvest that fruit um, as it grows upon this trellis that we craft. And so um, that's, a, that's a great way to think about it. Um, we can build the trellis. We can't force the plant to grow. Yeah. But if we don't have the trellis, the plant's going to go everywhere and likely die because mm-hmm. it's you know, falling over on itself. And the trellis isn't the goal. No one no. goes out to build a trellis and says, look how great my trellis is. I painted it blue. Um, the goal of the trellis is the plant. Yes, absolutely. And so when you think about um, your affections, for instance, um, you can actually retrain your affections. I worked in landscaping in college. And one of the things that we would do is train a plant to grow up a trellis. Mm -hmm. And the way you did it was you actually stapled the plant to go up Mm. the trellis at the very beginning. And then after a while, it was trained to actually grow up the trellis without you having to staple it there. And so I I think about that and how 
how we can train our affections um, to, to grow properly um, and healthfully, um, but it does require a trellis and some, some attention. But it's not the in, the telos or the end goal is to produce fruit and to, mm-hmm. to abide in Christ. Um, and But the thing is, it, it just isn't going to happen the way that we want it to happen unless there's a structure upon which it's happening. Mm-hmm. And that's the rule of life. Gotcha. So what are some tips that people can use to um, put the rule of life concept into their life? Because, um, you know, I, I don't have the, you know, I'm not a monk for a reason, right? And there's, yep. I, I just don't have the time in the day to put in the monastic sort of schedule that you talked about that this church does. Sure. Because by 8.30 in the morning, I got to be doing work work. Absolutely. And so... Folks that are engaged in in the world are obviously going to have a different experience with this than clergy. Um, in my life, I could craft a very robust rule of life that in, that that um, has scripture reading and mm-hmm. theo- theological depth to it um, for for even hours per day. Um, but for those that are engaged in business world and um, and out and about, I mean, it's I'd start small. Um, like all of these spiritual disciplines, um, it's like crafting a budget for our money mm-hmm. or crafting a physical workout routine for our for our physical health. What would it look like to sit down with a pen and paper this week and think about, wow, I mean, every morning I'd like to get up at 6 and from 6 to 6.30 to engage in a few spiritual disciplines that mm-hmm. we've talked about this week. And that might be where you start. And the thing is, after you do that for a number of days and weeks and months, you'll notice that it becomes a habit. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, you're being formed and shaped by your habits. Um, and uh, and so that's really kind of what we're talking about. Start small. Um, the other thing that you could do is the church throughout history, and you read this in the New Testament in Acts, where they would go to the temple to pray at certain hours of the day and praying the hours. And so, you know, in the morning you pray when you read your Bible, Jacob, but then maybe at 1130 or noon, you've got a little signal on your phone at USAA office where it just reminds you, pause, put down what you're doing if you're able, and for the next two minutes, just silently recenter mm-hmm. with prayer. Um, and then you could do that again at five o'clock before you go home. Sure. And so very simple routines that you can place even in your life um, as you're engaged in your vocational calling. Um, to do some of these things. Um, and I think another question you got to ask is, what kind of person are you becoming? Who do you want to be? Um, what would shalom look like in your life? And shalom is a word that uh, means rest or flourishing. And a lot of times you see Jesus invite us to himself. And what does he invite us to? He doesn't invite us to busyness. He doesn't invite us to more work. More often than not, he's inviting us to life. He's inviting us to security. He's inviting us to flourish as we're connected to him. And so are there any practices in your life that are lending themselves to cultivating that? Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that. I mean, I, lo- I just love the word cultivate. We're talking agricultural language here. It mm-hmm. takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. And in many ways, formation is not a goal. It's a way of life. Um, and so you want to become a type of person. Yeah. You don't reach an end here. Um, you you just move further and deeper into the type of person yeah. you want to become. And so I think it'd be a great idea. What would it look like to craft a personal trellis 
for your life this week? Mm-hmm. Um, do you even have that? And like I said, it doesn't have to be big. But how how could you make time for the practices or disciplines that we discussed the past few weeks? Sure. And I even, I mean, I got a pen and a piece of paper in my moleskin journal from a few years ago. And I mean, this is just letting you in on, I'd, I'd put 8 to 8.30 prayer, 8.30 to 9 o'clock scripture reading, 9 o'clock to 10 o'clock read Calvin's Institutes, uh, 10 o'clock to 10.30 pray again and then go out on my day for the lunch meeting or the sermon prep or the Bible study prep, 5.30 in the day with prayer and go home. Now, I was not able to do that on a consistent basis. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want folks to think that, you know, I'm some sort of Superman that if I put it down on paper, I just engage in that. But it's a worthwhile practice. Mm-hmm. And you, it, I mean, it's not legalistic. You can change it. Um, and, but I just think it's worthwhile thinking what kind of rule am I following in my life that, that, that promotes and cultivates spiritual fruit and closeness with Jesus. Sure. You, you, one thing that you mentioned during our pre-recording chat <clears throat> was about how this sort of um, habit forming um, can actually lead to more freedom. Yep. Um, that seems a little bit paradoxical. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Well, I think about it in terms of uh, your budget at home, your financial budget. Budget is a financial budget is freedom to spend. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, a, a time, a, a schedule is freedom to enjoy what you're doing in the moment. Yeah. And this is something that's so foreign to us because we're so chaotic and sporadic in our schedules. Oftentimes when we're engaged in scripture reading, we're thinking about what else we should be doing. Yeah. Or when we're engaged in work, we're thinking, man, I wish I would have read my Bible a little more this morning before today. And so the budget is really permission or the rule of life that we're talking about tonight is really permission to be where you are and to enjoy it 100%. Mm-hmm. And so if you had a rule of life like you do in the mornings, you know from 6.30 to 7, for instance, there's nowhere you need to be but right there with the mm-hmm. Word of God. Mm-hmm. And that gives you a lot of freedom to be present and to not feel guilty and to cut everything else off because you know you're going to get to that eventually. And so that's where I think that this this is counterintuitively freedom. So really, we're we're freeing up mental faculties to focus on the task at hand. Yeah, in the same way we would with any other any guess, other uh, productivity strategy. Yep. I I I'm thinking of uh, an analogy here where I, I can't remember the individuals, but you, you hear about really smart or successful people that have like an incredibly limited wardrobe and it's scheduled. Mm -hmm. Like this is my Monday outfit. This is my Tuesday outfit. And the reason they do that is because you don't spend any time in the morning thinking about what you're going to wear. And, you know, as a, as a guy, I don't spend a ton of time thinking about what I'm going to wear. It's like, it's like six seconds max, but then that's (laughs) an additional, whatever it is, six seconds or six minutes that you can, it's just automatic. Something becomes automatic. And so now you don't have to think about, Oh, I haven't read my Bible today. I better go do that. Before I do that, I need to email these three people and return that guy's phone call. Yep. It's just automatic. You just do sure. it. You're focused on it and you're present there in the moment. Yep. And then you go on to the next task, be it a meeting or cooking breakfast or yep. whatever. And a rule might be that you just don't have your phone next to your bed. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't look at it until you've read the scriptures and prayed. Now, it sounds very kind of legalistic, but I think we've got to go back to the whole idea that um, the gospel's opposed to merit, not effort. We've talked about that a lot. 
And if you want to grow in the spiritual life, Paul talks about it, uh, that you've got to discipline yourself. And it, it's going to take some work and, and some pen and paper and writing a schedule. The other thing I'd say about the freedom, too, though, is it not only gives you freedom to be present where you're at if you had a rule of life and knew where you were supposed to be at certain points of the day, but it also gives you freedom to move back out into the world and to engage in service and love. Because what you're doing when you engage in the spiritual disciplines is much like what a world-class pianist is doing when he practices the piano. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not you're not engaging the spiritual disciplines for the end goal of ministry. The end goal is being with Jesus. But that's going to make you the type of person that is able to engage in love when those opportunities present themselves through the day. Sure. And so if you're not engaged in spiritual disciplines, if you don't have a rule of life, you're going to be malformed in some ways and not be able to have the freedom to engage when ministry opportunities present themselves. Sure. Well, I think that's probably a good point to wrap it up for the evening. Do you have any final thoughts on this rule for life topic? I don't. Great. Yep. Well, we'll end it there, folks. Um, next week, Michael is going to be on vacation, putting his feet up and enjoying a nice cold beverage. And so we will have a special guest on the program. Lee Wright's going to be joining us to talk about RUF and uh, just another way to, to, to get our church community introduced to him. Um, so tune in next week for that uh, conversation. Definitely looking forward to that. As always, if you've got questions about the Bible, send those in to questions at trinitygracesa.org. Folks, we appreciate you tuning in. Until next time, we'll see you later.